0: hello hello and welcome to we the people podcast i'm your host jay Conze. Uh back here once again to uh, i want to thank you for tapping in and tuning into these elevated vibes it's been so so long um, and i had to make an internal commitment there's not going to be any more breaks it's going to be full steam ahead um, looking forward to reconnecting and just to give a brief background on myself, uh, I'm a clinical research consultant and I have a background in mental health as well as business development. But this is not about me at all. It's about you, us, we the people. Uh, glad to be back. Uh, just just really, really, really been overwhelmed by uh, some of the love I've been getting from you know, just a lot of just correspondence, you know. It's always good to know that you serve a purpose in the world. And um uh, I just want to say I'm, I'm very thankful and humbled by like all the emails and messages from parts of the world. I didn't even think would ever connect to uh, what we're trying to do here. But having said that, uh the title of this episode... It's called power, uh, and for me, in my experience over time, and I'm sure many get share this, is that uh, power is a is a funny thing. Like it, it's to me, it's it's almost it's hard to have a broad definition of it because it's like success. It just means something different to people. Um, I would probably classify it best you know what? Let me be fair and not classify it how I would classify it. I like to start with, let's say, a working definition. So power is basically the ability to do something or act in a particular way, especially as a faculty or quality. Uh, the capacity or ability to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. I actually like that. I actually like that second one. I think that works for me. Uh, but, what i'd like to do here in this time that we kind of have together um whenever you choose to take it is just kind of outline a few things related to power um I think everyone kind of looks at everything in a dating dynamic right, and uh my thing around that is this uh there's and we 're gonna kind of break this down, but we're gonna look at power uh you know, in the context of romantic settings, power in the professional settings, power in within our, our our own internal psyche, I would say. And I would like to think about power once again on both sides of it. Um, someone being the wielder, the, wielding the power and someone, let's say, being underneath another person's power. And I think that's a part that often gets overlooked and it's important to kind of experience both sides of it because it helps you understand how to interact with it from both sides because you don't ever truly understand it until you've had to administer it or been responsible for holding power and um, serving under the power of another. It's kind of like that thing where you have to le- know, in order to lead, you have to know how to follow. I, I look at it very much like that. But um, let's just jump right into it. So, yes, power. Um, and I'll start with how everyone likes to think about things. Power may be in the romantic setting. So let's look at uh, relationships. And even the evolution of like power in relationships in relation to, you know, just some traditional dynamics. So the person who, uh, uh, all right, typically, if we start way, way back, and I'm starting for the dating perspective because I feel like that's what people generally often gravitate to around these conversations. So uh, point being, dating didn't really exist like 70 years ago, right? and just throwing out a number far off into the past like in 1940 or people weren't really it wasn't just it wasn't dating in the context that we understand it uh and I always say this and this isn't a knock on men at all but uh in the traditional traditional patriarchy uh you know men were trained to maybe be a, more of a resource um and women were often trained to be uh, appealing to that resource. And, you know, to me, it seemed like it was uh, resources of security in exchange for loyalty and fidelity. And, you know, that's not something that works in today's society just for numerous reasons that we're going to get into. But... Uh, The the construct of that is basically, you know, men didn't really have to be likable necessarily because people weren't people weren't getting married to who they liked. I mean, at least I would say uh, that wasn't a choice that was often available to a woman Uh, traditionally in society, in Western society, particularly in the U.S. at that time is what I can speak to. So, you know like college for example most women didn't get to go and just pursue for your education if they were fortunate enough to have the opportunity to go to college they maybe had one or two semesters to find a husband like that was actually the mission of it you go like men would go to college to secure their future through education and women would go to college through to secure their education through marriage or sec- i'm sorry secure their future through marriage And this is not, uh, this wasn't absolute in every case, but this was generally the norm. So dating didn't really exist. You know, you married someone down the road or someone you knew, familiar, it wasn't just dating in the context that we understand it. Having said all that, uh, you know, if we look at now, there's been a shift where women are not quite as dependent on men or women are really very independent, uh, in terms of uh, resources for men, so when you don't need someone as a resource, why do we get together or why do we why do we seek close interaction with others off of desire and desire doesn't just mean physically it means likability and if you have maybe you know a generation of men who are men who are not traditionally trained to be likable to women then it could be problematic because I used to see, or even in terms of things that I was exposed to in terms of clients and things like that, oftentimes I realized particularly, and I'm not picking on them, but I just noticed the prevalence in the baby boomer generation example where oftentimes, you know, people were married to people that they didn't actually like, but, you know, they... They form ties with or, you know, they they grow accustomed to developing that relationship. But that wasn't just the person they just liked. And I think the modern challenge when people are only interacting with you just because they like you, it can be very complicated. Uh, It's a new dynamic for men to adapt to because uh, it's redefining masculinity. And that's a whole other conversation. I'm going to save that for a later episode. Uh, Just just talking about masculinity and uh, context, the context of modern masculinity, that that's a whole nother thing. I'm going to save that. But staying where we are here. So, you know, you have men who have to learn how to be. Appealing to a woman that doesn't need them and, you know, if you've been trained to be resourceful uh, and not appealing, that can be a challenge. So <laughs> a lot of times men have to learn how to, men are having to learn, the new generation of men are having to learn how to be likable. Um, and being likable is not easy. Um, it's not that men don't do it. The ones that do it, they they have all types of names that are generally likable. Um, I'll go with the operative term that I've heard before, lotharios yeah, so they'll call them that like they're just you know player, Mac, whatever term you want, where it's generally easy for them to be liked, and people will assume it's because they're attractive. I was like, no, they've just become acutely aware of what interests uh you know the type of woman that they're uh interested in they've learned what appeals to them something that women have done for a long time, far before men, but men are now forced into that space where that's going, that's going to just become more and more prevalent because the less I need you, the more I have to like you. And, um, I don't know if I don't think that's a bad thing at all. You know, I, I think, um, you, I, I rather, you rather, you rather be wanted than needed. Uh, that's just my take on that. Uh but uh that's a look in terms of let's say dating or, or how power worked, and how power has shifted, and how psychologically the effects of that shift in power, how it reverberates, uh, you know, it's definitely a male dominated society, but in this in, in these interpersonal relationships where particularly where a man doesn't necessarily have resources. And that changes his ability to leverage that power. Uh, and oftentimes you'll find people benefiting from what I like to call perceived power. And that's typically what happens in a lot of, uh, I would say, relationship settings is people respond to perceived power. And that's kind of like how patriarchy can work, right? It is real to a sense, but I had uh, an older gentleman who kind of gave me a lot of uh, advice, game, whatever you want to call it. But um, he said something to me that always resonated. And I feel like it just resonates more as time goes on. That's how I feel like it was a a relevant piece of advice or worth mentioning. Uh, And I say that in the context of this. He would always say to me that, um, you know, you, you, you don't understand basically um that you don't understand the value of love until you get a little hate and when i'm plugging that back into the conversation we're having about power um oh you know he did say that but the most relevant thing or what i was really thinking of what he said was that the biggest advantage that men have over women or why patriarchy can still remain. Um, outside of anything physical is that foolish men are able to convince intelligent women which I thought was interesting Um, but (laughs) yeah but um, I'll I'll say more on that a little later um, about uh, this this gentleman's profession but either way Um, I think that's a huge factor, and I think it really affects, uh, you know, how how we view ourselves, both men and women. You know, I think the thing about patriarchy, it isn't really all men that benefit directly. It is a few, and I think some men that are outside that benefit use that narrative to create a power paradigm that may not exist factually. And the best way to apply this is like with a with, with from a financial perspective you know he'll use other things and leverage the traditional vulnerabilities that have been created in that uh that societal need that's been projected on a woman to, a woman to be likable to a man he'll use that to his advantage, but in reality um, he may not have any tangible leverage like he may not uh I guess what you would say is even be a provider, resources, or a reliable partner, like that's possible. Um, And this is not, this is solely observational and definitely not from a place of judgment. Um, Now, what I would say also is the the thing about power, like just, just moving away, let's say from the gender dynamic in relationships, power shifts so often. And it is important to keep in mind that Power isn't something you it isn't always something that you just use. It's often something that you carry. Meaning we only see it sometimes we tend to only see it as a weapon, but oftentimes power can be a burden. Power it doesn't just allow you to move. It's literally like check chess. Sometimes it restricts your movement depending on who you are and the type of power i.e. responsibility you have so I think if we reframe that it would really change the narrative I think everyone wouldn't be as quick to try to gain power Uh, something Ragnar Lothbrok who was uh, a famous Viking Earl said he said power is right there to be taken you simply have to bend down and pick it up so to truly be effective or be someone who it benefits everyone that you have power, you have to have a certain level of humility because, you know, everybody's looking down from the sky for something to come. But sometimes it just takes you to be humble enough to go to bend down and look down and and pick it up. And that's how you often to elevate yourself as well. It's not all, uh, you know, vertical in terms of upward. Uh, I guess that's kind of like just saying all progress is not linear. Um, but what I want to move to, and I think where the real meat of the conversation is looking at power, let's say, in, in, in the professional sense, right? And this touches are on one of the most complicated relationships outside of people in their dating lives is people in their professional lives, particularly your relationship with your boss or who you directly report into. This can be the cause of some of the greatest points of stress in a person's life. So, uh, understanding power and understanding how power affects different personalities is paramount. And I have I had a friend who, you know, worked in an environment, and it, they it just literally I think it affected their mental health. And it was supremely frustrating. It was particularly because of how their manager, for lack of a better word, was was trying to use power. At the end of the day, power has to serve the purpose of more than one person. If it only serves the one, if it only serves a singular purpose, and when I say singular, I mean a purpose that benefits too small of a group then that power paradigm will not be sustainable because power is also something that you others have to trust you with in order for you to maintain it like as much as power gives you authority or control or the ability to influence and navigate spaces events and people power also has to be bestowed upon you um and, and, and for, unfortunately, I don't think we realize that. Oftentimes, the people at, are that are in power are just the people that were simple, who were just enough to say, "I'll do it." That's simply why they're in charge. So I think that really understanding power and like from a business standpoint, I had an interesting conversation with someone about. Uh, I think they had a master's in criminal justice and. Um, they were saying that their their degree and their earning potential is what they were really focused on. And something fundamental that I heard and actually also discovered just from uh, professional interactions is, uh, you know, power. Power is in con- power applied in the best way is leadership. And everyone wants to know, you know, how to make money, how to monetize. How to be as successful as they can professionally, uh, whether you're entrepreneur or nonprofit or you know you work within corporate at the end of the day, oftentimes the highest paid positions are leadership. It doesn't matter what the discipline is, what the industry is leadership. Is often the highest thing paid, and what is leadership? Leadership is the correct application of power. For the ben- for the greater benefit, um, doesn't always benefit everyone, but the greater benefit. So when we start really understanding power, I think it makes a better it makes it a better experience for those who have to um, exist in the shadow or under under the hierarchy of one's power. So it's really important to understand that. And because everyone who's in a powerful or leadership position is in some way a subordinate to someone else. Uh, You know, whether you go to the top, uh, the CEO is subordinate to the shareholders often, depending on how that paradigm works and if he's the founder. But, you know, if you can see Steve Jobs get kicked out of a company he created, it tells you that even the leader... It's subordinate to someone, so when we th- lose the perception of leadership being abs- absolute in that context, what it does is it really, really allows uh, it really allows us to to kind of experience the fullness and gives you that awareness. So when you are in leadership, or when you are when you are in leadership, you really understand the complexity and the nuance. And the burden. It's 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 important to feel the weight of things. Uh I often like to think of it like this awareness is like gravity. Uh you know, if you feel the weight of something, the weight people just say oh, it pulls you down, but I have a different view of that in a more positive way. It tethers you, it's like gravity, it holds you down to the earth, so you don't feel above any decisions that you make. you don't feel a disconnect or that they won't affect you uh you know uh, in the late 90s the ceo of oracle he had a regular you know he had a regular cubicle like the rest of his employees and i think there's an importance and anytime that disconnect happens where you lose awareness of those who you have leadership it usually wreaks havoc on the prospects of success on morale, on happiness, and ultimately on financial success. And we, we've seen that with the large automakers and, and things of that nature. So I think that professional articulation or really understanding of power and existing on both sides of it is what gives us the true wisdom to support leaders and to be leaders more importantly. You know, the organizations that have, uh, you know, lowest retention and the best sustainability models are those that promote leadership within because they have a mind. There's more mindfulness in terms of what uh, those below them are experiencing. And, you know, I would always tell clients, like, if you're in a situation, you don't like things and you don't have power, you make note of how you would do everything if you were in charge. Instead of, uh, you know, sometimes some people can be contrarian. Uh, and and this is very, applied very selectively because I think it's always important to advocate for yourself and have a voice. However, it's also always important to be aware of where your ability to be effective is. Some people, it's organization. Some people, it's protest. Some people, it's performance. You really have to understand You have to understand your environment. That's why being aware and there's a difference between thinking and stressing. Spend time thinking. Devote some time to your day for strategy. And strategy, and people, some people will say, oh, I'm not into politics. That strategy sounds like a lot like politics. But really and truly, at the end of the day, what that is is that focusing on or spending time thinking about strategy or politics politics is really just navigating competing interests uh, and desires and strategically trying to apply influence that's really what politics is so when people say i hate politics or i don't do politics that means they're not fully participating in their own experiences whether it's personally or professionally, now you don't have to be divisive or manipulative, but you have to be aware. Because if you're not aware, then someone can, use, someone can divide you from, you know, other people that you wish to be connected to, or they can manipulate you. So uh, political awareness is critically important, even if there isn't that same level of engagement. Um, and i think that that's something that we often lose sight of and it goes down on a macro level uh to the last point that i wanted to touch on was our social or friendships where power um power can be it 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 it, it can be very 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 complicated to navigate And it can have profound impacts on our self-concept and how we navigate society and what we even seek from others. Um, You know, power will reveal the light and the dark in a person. And I say this from my own personal experience. Um, I prefer to use power to elevate people, whether it's in my friendships or in my professional space. Because uh power's protection, right? And what is the greatest way to protect yourself is to be of great value to others. And usually that comes in the form of providing them some type of assistance, service, benefit, information, or feeling. So a really, really powerful success, people who are able to maintain power outside of violence, brutality, or manipulation provide benefit. That's just the that's just the law of things. And in friendships, oftentimes we have to be careful because what it does is when you mix necessity and when you have needs, and needs are often communicated amongst friends and lovers, is those needs can be leveraged. So it's very, very important because there's always going to be a power dynamic. There's going to be a friend in certain contexts, whether it's communication, planning, or certain interactions, because we all have character, we all have character traits. There's different friends that are going to be dominant, or maybe hold a little bit more power, or influence in certain types of interactions, and that's where trust is required. Trust is a big part of sustaining power. It's a big part. And it's a two-way street. Leadership or those in power have to trust the abilities of those who are there communicating to, while those they're communicating to or their subordinates have to trust their division their the vision and direction of those in power and leadership and that it has at least in some way some of their best interest at heart, even though compromises may have to be made. So what you the the importance of power in the friendships is not so much holding it, wielding it or being subordinate to it but choosing who you let into these groups and who you interact with because their intentions can drive your can drive the nature of how you experience certain things and even shape your own perception so it's really important to vet the cert friend circle with not just oftentimes people are friends with people who they have some type of trait they want to admire or similarity and i think that it's critically important to also form alliances with people that may challenge you or uh not just emulation but things you need you you may feel like you need to grow or acquire or learn from and as far as their intentions as well so it's not just hey you know we have the same kind of car let's hang out or i love the way you did your hair we should hang out it should often be a deeper longer examination of not just what this person has you can like or what you have in common, but of where you can add value or be of service to them and them to you. Uh, and this is not about needing, but this is about, I would say, more so looking at it like a symbiotic relationship. Uh, you know, there's commensualism where one party benefits, both parties benefit, but one party benefits more than the other. And there's mutualism where equal par- both parties equally benefit. So it doesn't have to be splitting hairs where, you know, tit for tat, we have to get the same. It's just that there has to be an exchange. We're not always going to benefit in the same way. And a lot of times how we benefit from interacting with certain powers, forces or influences are based on some of our life experiences. But it's that willingness to share their experiences and abilities that lets you know that you're aligned with the right friends so that you actually are OK because, you know, you can add value and also, you know, that the, the quality of character. So you're safe to make these exchanges and you can trust their judgments when it comes time for them to lead. Because the date, the most dangerous thing about power is uh, holding on to it. Power becomes poison when you carry it too long. It's, it's literally like the Lord of the Rings metaphor, you know. Uh, Frodo had to take this ring that was formed by, like, uh, an evil force to uh, a mountain to destroy it. But the longer he—and the ring was powerful. It was literally called the Ring of Power. Um, anyone who's not familiar with uh, Lord of the Rings or Tolkien lore, that's just a brief, sad, half-hearted synopsis. But this ring was called the Ring of Power, and the longer he held it, it was killing him. Power is meant, power is like a baton. It's only meant to be carried for a certain time and passed on to others. Uh, because there's, there's corrosive elements to power. You know, we like the idea of being able to hold on to power because there's a part of the human ethos where we all want to generally live forever in some capacity or some point in our lives. We, if not forever, we want, we want more time. And that's not something that's guaranteed. So we we because we live actually, if we're honest about our realities in the specter of so much uncertainty. If you look at what's going on from a societal standpoint, whether it's uh, politics or the pandemic, we we try to control so much and we seek power for security because we fear uncertainty and once you can embrace embrace the uncertainty or you realize you lose the fear of the uncertainty you don't require as much power because you're not obsessed with security and to me security is very much a construct oftentimes average average people in this world pay hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars for one type of insurance or security another all for the feeling that they know that if this type or that type of event occurs, I'll be okay. It may happen once in life. You spend your whole life paying or your entire adult life contributing to the protection of a possibility that may or may not occur. Security has been the most monetizable need, emotional need. People say it's love. I often really feel like it's security. Security. That's been the most monetizable emotional need for security that's taken place in the world. And power speaks to that. That's why the power, how to interact with it, how to wield it, how to constrain it is so critical to our well-being in our professional lives, in our social lives, in our romantic lives. So, yeah, yeah. I want to thank everyone for uh, taking the time to listen in and really examine your relationship with power from both sides of it. Because if you look close enough, you'll see an area. Uh, we'll see areas in our own lives where we will power and we're subordinate to power. Uh, you know, it's like we don't like when saying that people say, "Oh, I'm a boss," but everyone is a boss at the very least. They're the boss of the most important brand or business that they have, and that's themselves, our minds. So everyone is a boss, and then in some way or another, everyone in some construct is subordinate to an, another person or persons. So it's important that we understand how to be leaders and how to support leaders and how to demand from leaders because that's another form of support. Support is not just compliance. Support is is also accountability or demanding accountability. But yeah, um, next episode uh, is going to be love all. We'll jump into uh, some of these emails that I'm so backed up on. I just want to thank everyone for tapping in. We the people podcast. We're back back. Love all. Peace. Mm -hmm.